0: From the producers who brought you Ultimate Avengers the movie, Ultimate Avengers 2, and the Invincible Iron Man, comes the next installment of Marvel animated features. The position of Sorcerer Supreme was destined to be yours. Doctor Strange. Prepare yourselves.
1: Enter a new dimension of the Marvel Universe.
0: I've never faced these creatures before.
1: We're only the most powerful magic.
0: ...and transform this mystical doctor... ...control the forces around your hands and limitations become irrelevant. ...into the Sorcerer Supreme. He is ready. What was that? Dormammu. He is coming. The creatures move with increasing confidence. Dormammu's influence grows stronger. Where is it now? On its way to the city. Who are you? I'm Doctor Strange. Doctor
1: Strange. Coming to
0: DVD and Blu ray August 14th, 2007. Ciao, my people, and welcome to our 185th episode of Happiness and Darkness, the superhero movie podcast, where we discuss superhero movies from Marvel, DC, Dark Horse, Image, and more. Naturally, there will be spoilers, folks, so you have been warned. I am one of your co-hosts, CJ Nick, and as always, joining me is my podcasting partner in crime, Mr. Keith Bliss. Hey, Keith, how are you today?
1: Not too bad. The sun's shining, the wind's blowing. I'm at the beach. What can I? Can't complain.
0: I was actually going to comment because it's been a while since I've seen you. Yeah. It actually looks like you've got a nice tan there. Or is that just your camera?
1: Uh, I might've gotten a tan. I've been outside doing some yard work because it's finally spring, summerish here. So I've been able to go outside, work on my jungle, apparently get a tan, which I didn't realize, but yeah.
0: Yeah, we're definitely looking bronzed and fit. So that is fantastic, indeed. It's great to great to see you, bronzed and fit, indeed. And today, of course, we are discussing Doctor Strange, the Sorcerer Supreme, the animated version, of course, directed by Patrick Archibald, Jay Oliva, Dick Sebastian, Frank. All. yes indeed we have four directors for this one the movie was written by Greg Johnson and Craig Kyle while the score was by guy guy Michael Moore so uh, Keith starting with general impressions here what did you make of this animated origin story of
1: Dr Strange so I actually uh, had purchased this movie when it first came out way back in what was it like 2007 and I liked it for when it came out it was fun and different. It did kind of remind me some of the like Ultimate Avengers and other cartoons that were out in that time frame, but it was a fresh take on the Doctor Strange origin. While it's close to the origin of the Doctor Strange that we're familiar with in the comic books, they took a little bit of a deviation from it. But otherwise, it was a fun watch. It's not very long. What is it like an hour and some change? So it's something that you can kind of put on, sit through, and just knock it out in like a easy 45 minutes to an hour because most of the story we already know because of obviously the movies and the comic books and whatnot so it's not necessarily anything new for dr strange um fans there are some different takes on the characters but otherwise it's a fun watch i enjoyed it i've watched a handful of times so i I can't complain i do recommend it to people who enjoy the dr strange universe because this kind of reminds me a little of the what if episode that we got last year with dr strange this is kind of like another like what if kind of universe of dr strange so everybody many of the characters are familiar this would have been kind of a good jumping off point if they had done a tv series because it's dr strange and he has other magicians and wizards helping him out defeating the the powers of um the dark one so I think they could have potentially turned this into a trilogy, assuming they hadn't killed everybody off, but that's a different issue.
0: Yeah, we definitely will have to address that. And I mean, interestingly, this one kind of went under the radar for me because, you know, I was uh, obviously more familiar with uh, the movie from the MCU, which came out nine years after this, because obviously that movie came out in 2016. So I was familiar with that. I had not watched this, this one at all. This was the first time I sat down to watch it. And really, my, Yeah. And my feelings are pretty much uh, in line with yours in the sense that it's a good, it's a good film. I think it's a good introduction to who Dr. Strange is, where he came from and where he's going, if you will. At the same time, I think it did, it did kind of fly by a little bit too quickly. And it see, uh, in a sense, it seemed to me that, and this seems to be a big problem when it comes to uh, animated films, you know, the, you and I have talked about recently is, you have a lot of exposition and a lot of story, you know, throughout, and then you literally compress the big moment where you know you're supposed to have your hero face off against your villain into ten minutes, and yep. it literally just goes by way too fast. And as I said, it seems to be a trait, and in, in, that uh, has plagued animated movies, both from DC and from Marvel, that, that you know that you and I have seen together. And uh, it was the same thing with this one. As we got closer and closer to the end. At some point, I actually looked at how much time was left. I'm like, oh, "Okay, here we go—the ten-minute fix—and that's going to be that." So uh, I was a little bit slightly disappointed when it came to that. But other than that, I, uh, I agree with you. It was a, it was an interesting spin, if you will, compared to what I knew known from the comics and what I knew, of course, from the uh, the first Doctor Strange movie from 2016. So uh, yeah, no. Also, uh, kudos to when it came to voice casting. I will say, when it came to um, taking down everybody's name i actually had to go (laughs) and really deeply deep dive into finding who everybody was because of course you get it with the end credits but at a certain point movie was over. i'm like okay i have to start you know putting pen to paper and getting things ready for the podcast and among the the actors mentioned on the wikipedia uh, article about this film in italian they have ian mckellen And I was like, where was Ian McKellen in this? And so that kind of made me chuckle. Yeah, there's no way that's Ian McKellen. No surprise, it's not him. That that said, uh, yeah, I thought it was, I thought I enjoyed myself with this film and I look forward to watching more animated Doctor Strange and seeing, you know, what direction they go in because the magic was definitely present here and it was fun. And so, yeah. And I also add that, uh, like you mentioned, my other complaint was you have all these other sorcerers they literally get wiped out and you don't even get the chance to know them properly. They're kind of there. And then they're gone. I mean, you kind of can get there's like an American one, an Irish one, a couple of others. And then they, they have these really cool powers and boom, they're gone. And it's just basically Steven uh, Wong and, and Mordo are left. So it's like, okay. But uh, yeah, so uh, I wasn't, I found that was a little bit surprising, but other than that, it was a, an interesting watch.
1: So I yeah, guess my- we, go ahead. No, I was just going to add on to that. You know, the one thing that kind of, I guess, irked me a little bit was how he became such the sorcerer supreme in a very short period of time. You you see him train all of a sudden, you're like all right, you know magic, and boom, you're holding your own. And it's like, at least in the movies, we got that progression where you see him the struggle, the learn, the mastering, and then becoming. Here is just like struggle, you're good, and defeat the dark one.
0: That's right. Yeah, I that is true. It did seem like it was a little bit rushed when he has to face Dormammu. And suddenly, like wow, he's really coming to his powers quickly. Yes, we could have had maybe a little bit more of the training montage, if you will. I mean, we did have, you know, him doing the whole thing with the wall, and then understanding that if you imagine it's there, it's not there; it disappears, and all kind of mind over matter. But it is true; it was, it was still kind of early days for Steve, and yet he suddenly is already the Sorcerer Supreme. Whereas in um, in the the twenty sixteen film. It's more a battle of wits against Dormammu rather than using these superpowers. I mean, he does have some tricks up his sleeve, but for the most part, there he uses more cunning than actual magic to uh, to defeat Dormammu by creating, I guess, that time loop. But here it's like, oh yeah, I'm super powerful and I can use the Eye of Agamotto and just, uh, <clears throat> just deal with him. So I, I'm right there with you. I do think that was a little bit uh, on the fast side. Um, all right, well, I guess then uh, we can start off by looking at our characters here. As we did talk about him a little bit, let's start off with the man who would be Sorcerer Supreme, Bryce Johnson, as Dr. Stephen Strange. So what do you make of this version of the good doctor, Keith?
1: It was an interesting take. He was very, you know, similar to his narcissistic self in the other instances that we've seen him. You know, you see him in the big budget movie and he's very... About himself. And it's evident in this one, he's very much self absorbed. He's all about himself with the occasional flashbacks to things that happened to kind of set him on this path the things with his sister, him trying to save his sister and failing, ultimately failing to save her, and him becoming this over the top doctor and just 100% ego. And, you know, I'm the best there is, deal with it. What with me, it was very. Again, this is another part of the the animated issue. It was very rushed. You see him in one scene being the arrogant doctor, know-it-all, blah, blah, blah. Then he's noticing magic, which why at this point in life, he is now noticing this magic in the world opposed to any other point in time in his life, they don't really discuss. But you start to see the little drips and drabs of magic in the world, and he's starting to notice this. And that is what causes his car accident opposed to him being distracted by listening to a patient records or any other normal distraction, he gets distracted by magic. So it's showing that he has the potential as I keep alluding to throughout the, the cartoon, but it just seemed very rushed. And the areas where they should have focused a little bit more on his character, like as to, you know, why he is as arrogant, because all you see is, Like 20 something strange, trying to save his sister. Sister passes away. And then present day asshole strange. (laughs) You know, there's a very big jump in time, and you don't see like that transition. It's just like night and day. And then it's kind of like the hell the mighty have fallen. So he's back on hard times and build himself back up again. And you I get it. They only had, you know, an hour and some change to kind of really flush out this character development. But some aspects they could have skipped over like the stuff with the sister because again we're already at arrogant strange doesn't matter how we got here this is where we're at let's go from this point forward so they could have used that to show his magical prowess or even other instances where he has kind of noticed magic but not registered it just like how in the first scene he's driving and he sees it but he's like okay, whatever, and just keeps going like a typical New Yorker. (laughs) It's like, all right, there's a monster. I'm just going to keep driving. No big deal. Like That's not how that works. But to him, it's perfectly normal. So I think certain areas of his character, they could have explored more. And then other areas, not that we didn't need it. It just didn't necessarily move the story along. It was just like, okay, young strange, adult strange, continue on.
0: I suppose they had to throw in the sister because they needed something for, for Tara strong to do, because as we know, I guess <laughs> I, we know that obviously Tara strong is contractually obligated, uh, you know, obligated to be in, uh, in any uh, animated superhero movie. I mean, no, of course, slight against Tara. She has a, uh, the voice perfectly suited for animated shows. She's always done a fabulous job. And I'm like, I guess, uh, you know, they wanted they really wanted uh, Tara strong on this. So we, they had to give us something to do. Hence, you know, we had April strange and I agree. Cause I was trying to figure out the connection between the trauma that had affected Stephen with losing his sister in the sense that he couldn't save her. And I believe the whole story was, you know, she was ill and he's like, you know, give me six months and I'll be a doctor. And I'm like, after six months, you've become a doctor. Do you really want to be operating on your
1: sister's one of your first patients? Right.
0: I thought the yeah. same thing
1: too. I was like, well, I, you have no idea what he was doing. Like, was he already in medical school? You don't know. He's just like, I have, give me six months. I'm going to slice you open like a gutted fish and this is going to be fine.
0: Yeah, that's right. So it was a little bit, that was a little bit on the odd side. Then I was, I was trying to figure out what, what kind of, whether that, why that event made him become so self-absorbed. And so I'm not going to take on any cases that don't bring me, know money or don't bring me renown and exactly yeah because he gives um he he gives that whole sort of talk about you know what keeps this hospital afloat are the big um the big cases if you will those those particular situations or patients where my expertise is needed which gives the hospital glory and brings me money and brings me more attention from my peers so because you'd think after having failed to save his sister, either he would have abandoned the medical practice or he would have made it his goal to save everybody under his watch that was on his table, which was why it seemed a little bit odd that his, his, his sister passing away, it would not have strengthened his resolve to, I can't let that happen again. Kind of like, I guess with Batman losing his parents, it's like never again to anybody yet. He becomes super stuck up and super, like you said, self-absorbed. And I only take certain cases.
1: No, I, I agree with you. You would have thought that it would have made him more humble as a person because he was so arrogant going into this, that I can fix everything. And then the first patient he works on his sister, he doesn't save. So you would have thought that would have given him a different mindset, not, Where we are now, it would have been different if he had six months, operated on his sister, cured his sister, and then went from there. Then it would have been like, okay, I see why he's, you know, I'm better than everybody else because this is what I've done. But the fact that you see him fail so hard, so fast early on, you're like, but that doesn't make any sense.
0: Yeah, that's what I was trying to figure out. Either it's because he, it's his way of closing himself off from the world. I guess that could be possibly a thing of like, I'm using this uh should we say facade of the arrogant doctor to to shield my pain once again, maybe I'm reading a little bit too much into this, but uh maybe that could be the only explanation that he locks himself off from the rest of the world and does this whole thing this whole arrogant thing because like I don't want to suffer, so I'm just going to try and and play Mr hoity toidi super doctor. and also, I did not really get any sort of chemistry between him and the love interest
1: in this no film. not at all there is none
0: she was barely there i mean compared to the the first um dr strange movie in 2016 we actually do get a feeling that there was something between them and then it, it just fizzled out whereas right. here she's apart from the fact she's barely in this film but also there's like barely a, the only thing we kind of get is like she's you know sort of like oh you know you're such a you're such a butthole and you're so horrible to people and there was there's only like towards the end we're supposed to believe that there was something between them or there's possible chemistry because he saves all these children and she's like oh my god he saved so many kids let's go off and get married I don't know but um it did not I did not feel any kind of uh, chemistry between the two maybe because was, so she was written a little bit poorly and because it wasn't really about that other than that i did like his um journey to become more uh, cl- closer to magic as in going through the all the various trials and tribulations about the eight that the ancient one puts him through in the whole concept of its mind over matter which was very similar once again to the uh 2016 film from the mcu but mm-hmm. all of a sudden what, what was interesting is all of a sudden the ancient one says imagine the wall is not there and Poof! It's gone. You know, so it's uh, it's interesting how he's able to hone his skills so quickly. Like you said, I guess we have to maybe chalk it up to he's just a fast learner. I guess that's maybe what they're trying to tell us.
1: Well, and I guess since in the movie they do show you him or show us that he is a quick learner because he has that eidetic memory and he just absorbs everything like a sponge. And you see him practicing the spells that. That makes sense because they show where he the arrogance kind of comes from is he's such a quick learner and a master of everything.
0: Yeah, so I guess that's why that's I guess how, what we can chalk it up to. But yeah, other than that, uh, what training we got, I did I did uh, uh, like. I mean, I thought it was curious at first. I in fact, I like Stephen. I was feeling the same. Was like, why do they have him dragging these blocks of cement of the of this wall? Is it just they want to strengthen him, or is it? Is there more to it and then you know we finally get it there's a method to the ancient one's madness and the whole concept of almost like uh if you visualize it it will, it will it will materialize like when he magics the sword out of thin air or any kind of weapons so that was fun to see and some of the fights were also cool so i uh i did like that also i wonder where he got his wonderful little robe that he shows up in when he decides to shave and cut his hair i guess they left it for him in his Room slash cell.
1: I guess you don't know because it's just as they said earlier in the movie. Wong said, "You know, as you progress and you earn these rewards, they'll just magically show up." So, like one scene, he has the blanket, then he's got the bed, and then he has the was it the hot bath, and then from there, just super duper fancy outfit, which was kind of a I like that garb. It was a, an interesting take. It kind of had some. um Defenders type of vibe to it, while it's not mm. the same color scheme, just kind of gave me that vibe from the Defenders comic book. Oh, yeah,
0: very well spotted. And yeah, and I and I did like the fact that we did see this man, like you mentioned it earlier, very much a how the how the mighty have fallen. His literal fall from grace as he go, you know, spends millions and millions and millions on all these various possible operations to get his hands back together and you know rather get them in working order and then obviously he's literally left with nothing and uh he's then helped obviously to uh, to get to Tibet by the love interest who once again I guess that, I guess that's what she does for him she gets him to Tibet so she did do that um true but <laughs> but other than that yeah I yeah I thought uh Bryce Johnson did you know provide a good performance as the voice of Stephen Strange and, and uh-huh. yeah and uh and then as obviously as the film progresses and we get to uh To Stephen, you know, ultimately defeating Dormammu and becoming the Sorcerer Supreme. I'm like, yeah, I can dig this a little bit fast, but uh, yeah, I'll be interested to see more of Bryce Johnson as this character. Uh, So uh, anything else on our Dr. Keith before we move forward?
1: No, I I think you and I have dissected him enough (laughs)
0: <laughs> I see what you did there yeah, so, got that <laughs> yes so I guess let's then get to two characters who help bring Stephen to where he needs to be. We have of course Michael Yama as the ancient one and Paul Nakauchi as Wong. So what do you make of these two Keith?
1: I liked both the characters I liked Wong because he well not necessarily the comedy relief like they turned him into in the movies he was more of a leader of the group. He was very much the voice of reason, the calm level, kind of like, all right, we should do this, but let's make sure we, you know, cover our bases and so on and so forth. And he still believed in the ancient one. So when the ancient one said, you know, strange was the best of the best of the best kind of scenario, he gave him the benefit of the doubt where other individuals in the group that we'll talk about later were like, no, this guy's just some screw up that why is he here and, You know, I should be the next in line and blah, 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 blah. So what kind of got me was the fact that the ancient one waited as long as he did to kind of give Strange that little nudge in the right direction. Hmm. So I feel like if they had done it, you know, a minute or two sooner or a little bit earlier in the story, we could have gotten to this end point faster. It was, you know, they waited until he, you know, tried to leave Tibet and he's lost in the snow, and then the Ancient One kind of says, hey, friend, let's let's go back here, and you know blah, 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 I give him a little pep talk, and then when he's struggling with the wall, he gives him another pep talk. So I feel like if those nudges were a little earlier on in his development, we still would have had the same end result, but we could have spent more time with the big bad guy at the end, and have a better end fight opposed to the, oh, look, magic, 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 I can do this special magic absorption thing that For some reason, I have, and nobody else does, and boom, we're done. And you're like, oh, uh, okay, cool. And so, I think some of that would have been time well spent exploring that with the ancient one and Wong as more of his, you know, Yoda and Obi Wan kind of mentors.
0: Yes, because that's I think is very much the vibe one gets. I mean, I you know, obviously had also very much a uh, Miyagi and Daniel uh, vibe from Karate Kid, of course, when it came to to this situation. Granted, the circumstances are slightly different, but that's the kind of vibe I got. I mean, I did like this version of the Ancient One, which is, Mm -hmm. I guess, closer to the comics. Granted, this is maybe more for a modern audience, because as great as those old Doctor Strange comics are, they can, you know, prove to but you can find them a little bit racist i can see oh, a
1: little bit <laughs>
0: yeah, i can a little see
1: cringeworthy them.
0: yes i can say you know that uh i do enjoy those stories but yes i will say you know you have to also take it for at uh, the time where you know certain stereotypes which are still wrong today and were wrong back then But uh, they definitely uh, updated them saying we're not going to do exactly what um, what Stanley and Steve Ditko did at the time. We're going to modernize it and not make it as, shall we say, stereotypical or slash even racist. But no, the ancient one was was cool. I mean, obviously, we're getting to the point here where the ancient one is, you know, close to death and he's looking for his new heir and. uh, Yeah, I guess he's always kind of seen strangely, maybe from afar, as being an ideal candidate to take over the mantle of Sorcerer Supreme. So, yeah, you know, he did have obviously that uh, all the the characteristics, I guess, that you would um, you would associate with uh, with someone of his status. So obviously great wisdom and extremely great power, because even if he looks like a frail old man, when push comes to shove, the guy can definitely still kick butt. And I was like, wow, man, I'm impressed. Yeah, because because uh, you see, you know, kind of sometimes bent over and coughing and and falling and such. Like you know, he's probably a million years old, and probably. so you know, <laughs> I, I think so. And so he's, that's why obviously he's looking for some young blood. But uh, I did like him as a mentor, akin possibly to Wong. Now, obviously, these days when I think of Wong, immediately in my head Benedict Wong shows up because. That's that's who we know, and who, what's because the 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 guys become ubiquitous when it comes to that character. This was a it was an interesting change for me seeing Wong played, should we say straighter than, than Benedict Wong plays him? Paul Nakauchi, I think, provided a g- great voice work for him. And yeah, like you said, he's I guess almost the de facto leader, or more the reason to Mordo's madness and bloodthirstiness. Because while, of course, when we first meet Mordo, he's very much more the I'm a warrior, I've not a sorcerer, and Wong is the calming presence of that team, which ultimately gets wiped out. And Wong and Mordo were like the only survivors of that team. And then, of course, we do find out that they are g- g- happy to see other students, or rather, I guess, uh, Stephen's able to find new students to uh, re- to bring to the, the school, to the, to the Sanctum Sanctorum, and raise them to be sorcerers. But uh, yeah. I I did like uh, Wong also getting closer to Strange and being, you know, his his friend and his spiritual guide and so on. So that was, that was cool to see. And also, you know, an excellent fighter in his own right. But what I don't get is, did we need to have those other members of the team if we're just going to wipe them out?
1: Well... It's a yes and no scenario. Like, no, you technically didn't because again, we murdered all of them, but you did because they needed to hold the story long enough for Doctor Strange to, you know, have his epiphany and become the sorcerer supreme. Like, yeah, I guess theoretically Wong and Mordor could have done it, but I I think you needed that little cushion or padding of the story where you see them fighting the smaller demons and so on and so forth.
0: I guess you're right. And I suppose we did have to have some victims during the course of this movie to, to throw to the various demons and servants of Dormammu who are coming through the cracks. So I guess they had to do that. And I did also find, I mean, look, the ancient one takes it in his stride. He's like, you 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 guys did an okay job. I mean, we lost pretty much half the team, which is tragic, but you guys did all right. And uh, you know, so he takes it into his stride. And we noticed that I guess at that point, if memory serves. We don't really sort of have anybody else in. I mean, they don't even call it kamataj, but here it's more like just called no. Tibet. But yeah. you don't have other students, basically. These were like the the best of the group. We don't really see staff around or anything else, I don't think. We only see these, should we say, new recruits that Stephen seems to find that later in the movie. Or am I wrong? Were there other, other members of the, of the group around? Other people there in Tibet with them?
1: No, well, not that you see you basically just see the core um, group and the ancient one. And then strange, even when he's off training, he's training with one of the group. So I don't necessarily think they had any students there other than them because reasons. And I think it's more toward the end when it's just the two of them and Wong and is, you know, doing the recruitment for lack of a better term that they find more people are really have these magic abilities, because I guess at the time it was still very rare or they just didn't think that there were that many people, because I guess if you think about it, if they had really recruited the small army that you saw in Multiverse of Madness, this probably would not have happened.
0: Oh no, most likely. Cause yeah, there, when we when were introduced to, uh, to, uh, to Kamataj and so on in, uh, in the, in the, tw- in the 2016 film, it very much seems like it gives the idea of being like a dojo, if you will, where you have, Multiple students learning, you know, uh, magic and and martial arts and what have you. Whereas here, it seemed like I guess these were like an elite group that had been selected by the ancient one with Wong at the head, and I guess a uh, M- uh, Mordo kind of, you know, sort of uh, trying to to make his way to become the de facto leader, and I suppose vying to become Sorcerer Supreme. And funnily enough. Wong, I, I believe, actually, never make, makes any mention of wanting to be sorcerer supreme because I guess he could have been the prime candidate at that point. But maybe he, even though he, he didn't want it, I guess the ancient world was like, "Yeah, Wong, you must help Stephen out because you know Steven's going to be the, the the big cheese, and you're going to be like you know his second in command." So it, it could have been an interesting way. But of course, as we know in uh, in the movies now, Wong is the sorcerer supreme because True. reasons. But because we. <laughs> For now, <laughs> for now. Anyway, yes, Wong has the mantle of sorcerer supreme. Stephen is no longer is no longer that. But uh, but no, I I thought they were they were they were great g- good characters for what they got to do. Um, and like I said, yeah, closer to the comics with a more modern spin, which was nice. And so uh, definitely enjoyed them and uh, look forward to seeing them uh, next time for sure. So I guess then uh, we can move on to the dark side of the table with our treacherous magic man. <laughs> We have Kevin Michael Richardson as Carl Amadeus Mordo and Jonathan Adams as Dormammu. So what did you make of our villains, Keith?
1: The problem with watching too many cartoons is you get familiar with these uh, voice actors and Kevin tends to play more of the bad guys in most of his movies or something to that effect. So when you hear him, you're like, oh, he's the bad guy. You know he's the bad guy. It's going to happen. And when he does become the heel, you're like, oh, no, I didn't see this. You're like, no, I knew this was going to happen. This was not a a news flash by any stretch of the imagination. Was it fun to see? Yes. Was it, again, shocking? No. But the justification, I guess, in this one was definitely weaker than, say, in the Doctor Strange movies. Because here he just was like a a small child, he was offended that dad didn't pick him as his favorite son. So he ran off and joined the circus basically. (laughs) And that's why he turned to the dark side. So it wasn't, you know, the best in terms of, you know, origins of a a bad guy, but it it got the, it had to happen because it would be very weird to have him not turn into the heel after all the crazy crap that had happened during this movie. You know, granted if they maybe had made this a, a trilogy or heck even had a sequel that they could have prolonged a little bit more and then eventually have him turn to the you know the dark side and i use air quotes because we've turned into luke skywalker and the return of the jedi all of a sudden but well, it's owned by marvel these days so that makes sense that's fair so i it wasn't you know anything out of the ordinary Dormammu was definitely kind of a waste of a character i'm gonna be honest you know considering he's this big bad and he's on scene or on screen rather for like what four minutes of the entire hour and 19 minute movie we see him you know it's very little so I, i wish they had used him a little bit more or showed more of his powers and abilities because he is the lord of his dimension so he's obviously not a pushover but when he comes to Earth, he you know gets manhandled every which way because he's only able to use a fraction of his power. So mm-hmm. it's not to, you know it wasn't very surprising to see this happen when he lost. you like, oh, okay, well, he had to happen, and again, Dr. Strange had the most convenient McGuffin ability ever. Oh, I can absorb magic. Hey, you're magic, I'm gonna take your powers like really, guys, like that, really? All right. you know when they mentioned that early on in the cartoon you're like this is how he's going to win because why the hell else would you tell us he can absorb magic Mm -hmm. so again these were nothing to write home about in terms of um characters because they were so predictable and two-dimensional obviously they're cartoons but they're even more so than normal you know there was not a big shocking reveal or a big twist at any point in this where you know now if wong had become the bad guy I would have been shocked, because he was the level-headed, you know calm, cool and collected, and then he you know the last couple of second, he's like, "F this, I want to be the you know sorcerer supreme." And then joints, you'd be like, "Holy shit, I didn't see that coming, but literally this was the paint by numbers kind of cartoon.
0: Oh, that's totally fair. And then the thing that I really don't understand is what I was expecting more than anything else was maybe more of a showdown between Mordo and Steven rather right. than Domamo coming into the picture because we had literally built up that <clears throat> should we say fight ever since they the two of them were training where Mordo is tasked with the very um <clears throat> taxing should we say job and not particularly not particularly enthusiastic of, about training the newbie Who, you know, as you mentioned, he is not particularly fond of, like, why are we even bringing this guy into the fold? He doesn't know anything. Who the heck is he? And so, of course, I suppose Mordo also sees him as a potential rival. And that training sequence that that we have between the two, I would have thought would have been very telling for what we would get at the end. To where Mordo finally literally gets to, you know, no holds barred, literally gets to fight Steven to the death. As you almost killed him already during the training sequence, so right. I was a little bit surprised that that was kind of shelved in favour of Dormammu taking centre stage and kind of being, you know, the the the, the adversary that Stephen had to face off against. Because when we get to our, should we say, climax where Dormammu shows up, Mordo kind of disappears. I mean. I didn't, I mean, cause I'm even trying to recall here what happened to him. Cause he's like, yeah, I'm going Dorm- to join Dormammu and recruit all the do with the whole kid recruiting thing and and all, and all this stuff and, you know, be, get, get his power. But we never see him and Steven actually clash, if you will. Why am I mm-hmm. forgetting something here?
1: No, they clash for a split second. And then Dormammu breaks into our dimension. And he's like, you have failed me. He grabs him and eats him in like three seconds. You're like, you literally just give him your powers. Five minutes ago, like cut the dude a little bit of a break. It took, you know, 10,000 kids in a coma or people in comas to bring you to this dimension. He's been your emissary or your, you know, quote unquote, sorcerer supreme for five minutes. And then you just get cheesed off and eat him. And that's it. Like he literally murdered him for, you know, a very, you know, childish reason that he didn't apparently kill Doctor Strange fast enough or Wong or anybody.
0: Yeah, because he really wasn't even given the chance, I think, to really fight Steven properly. No, not at all. Yeah, like like I mentioned before, like we'd seen in the training situation. So maybe they were trying to show us how different a master Dormammu is compared to the ancient one, to where the ancient one will be more patient and more forgiving. And Dormammu is like, you fail me even for five minutes, you're dead. So maybe it could be a contrast between our two senses, if you will, to use a martial arts term, where you know one is more understanding and the other is not. But um, yeah, I was I because I'd like I liked the build up of Mordo in this in this version. I mean, uh, I, I also enjoyed him in in the films, of course. Uh, but he, I, he there, he, of course, he's still yet to really confront steven in his dimension. You know, if, for those who have not yet seen Doctor Strange in Stoilers. the <laughs> exactly. But so there is still that thread that we do still have Mordo. Uh, I think uh, lurking around somewhere when it comes to the MCU, at least. But yeah, I did like the build-up because we could see that he was very much. He doesn't. Con- he considers himself more of a warrior than a sorcerer, and of course wong also chastises him about this saying we're not warriors we are men of magic and he really is very much the hot-headed guy who's you know very gifted when it comes to using weapons and, and magic and so on but he is hoping like you said he kind of throws a bit of a hissy fit because the ancient one does not bestow the mantle of sorcerer supreme to him even though the ancient one himself was kind of predicting that this would all happen that mordo would eventually you know go to the dark side and would you know, just sort of betray their order. He'd kind of seen that coming. So he's like, there was no way in hell and now he needs watching because he's a horrible guy. And so it was a missed opportunity, I think, for to, have you could have made it more about Mordo and uh, Steven rather than bringing Dormammu in. It might've made it, made it even more credible that Steven can maybe face off against Mordo rather than, like you said, he's such a powerful being as Dormammu and kept Dormammu maybe for another movie. You could have mentioned him, and Dormammu makes him his his slave, if you will, his champion. But then you're like, okay, we will face Dormammu in the next movie. We'll give you something to look forward to next time. But uh, it, uh, that's why it didn't really make sense. that He was eaten, and that was that. So uh, I thought it was a bit of a letdown when it came to the, the Mordo character, as much as I enjoyed him throughout the course of the film. Domamu, I agree with you. Um, part of the fact I found the voice jarred with me a little bit when it came to the, to the to what I was seeing on screen, in the sense that you see this kind of flaming skull, if you will, which I guess is akin to almost a steer skull, if you will. And uh, and the the, uh, the voice that comes out, I would have imagined it to be deeper, maybe even kind of more menacing. It's almost a little bit too high-pitched for my for my liking when it came to what was I, I was seeing on screen. I was expecting more of a I am no I will kill you kind of thing, rather than this almost normal voice, if you will. But yeah, he was barely in this. He was you would have expected him to, you know, defeat Steven pretty easily since Steven is still early days. We know he's a fast learner, but still. You're already pitching him against one of the most powerful beings in the in the universe, if you will, like I said, uh, ruler of his own realm. It it almost makes more sense, in, you know, in, in the 2016 film where uh, Stephen learns how to use some of the powers of the Eye of Agamotto or the Time Stone, if you will, to create the time loop and drive Dormammu nuts, rather than, like you said, I can absorb power, so I can easily defeat Dormammu. So, yeah. That was, once again, it uh, it's, uh, suffered from the ten, last 10-minute ten sin, which is what seems to, to happen often with these films.
1: I just like how you call it the 10-minute sin. I like that. because, Like you <laughs> said, last 10 minutes of a movie or 15 minutes, you'd still call it the same thing. All of a sudden you're like, shit, we have to solve this. And you're like, all right. And then just magically pull something out of thin air that you know realistically would not have worked or should not have worked.
0: <laughs> yes, I guess we'll see as we move forward with other animated movies if the 10 minute sin is still part of uh is still a tra- is still a trait or a trope. But yeah, other than that, I uh, I like this. Also, I was I mean, I was trying to see whether there was a second Doctor Strange film or not when it came to the animated world. I believe there might be. Um, because we do get that nice little yeah uh, should we say wink that clear strange would be joining us it will be joining the, the team in the next film so i'm like ooh do we have that movie somewhere because that is also spoilers same thing that happens when it comes to multiverse of madness they say the clear strange clear strange is introduced
1: so don't tell anybody i won't my
0: lips, my lips are sealed <laughs> but i did like that It's like interesting this was way back in 2007 and they are at where the MCU movies are at. So they were already planning ahead. But um, if we do get a sequel, well, like I said, I don't know if we do have another Dr. Strange animated film, but if we do, I will definitely, uh, you know, go and check in on, on everybody, see how, what the situation is like, what you know, the Claire Strange character does and, and all this kind of thing. So I, uh, I enjoyed it enough to want to see a second film. I'll, I'll put it that way.
1: No, that's a, that's a good way to put it because it's, Definitely one of those, either love it or hate it. And if you loved it, you want another one. If you hate it, you're like, meh, at least I watched it. I know what it's about.
0: (laughs) Exactly. So anything else you would like to add on this, uh, about this movie, uh, Keith, before we get to ratings?
1: No, I think we covered it all.
0: Very well. Then I guess let's get to ratings. What do you give Dr. Strange the Sorcerer Supreme out of 10?
1: I'm actually going to go kind of a little bit on the higher side, you know, like I did last week, I'm going to give this a 7.5. It's one of those. It's good, but it's not great. It definitely has rewatch appeal. I've watched it a handful of times already and it doesn't get old while it's predictable. Cause I've seen it enough times. It's still a fun watch.
0: I think so too. I like the animation style. I like the. I enjoyed the score for the most part um and yeah and like you said i think the animation also still holds up it's an interesting style of animation which we would then see quite a bit when it came to the marvel animated universe and this kind of a style that would of course carry on in the early 2000s for for them and for the animated uh, the animated things they had going on so i enjoyed it so i'm going to give it a uh, a seven and a half out of ten myself so uh yeah it does have rewatchable value i agree with you and Hey, I'm looking forward to seeing a, a sequel. Maybe they're waiting to see what they do in the uh, in the MCU before giving us an animated one. But I guess we'll uh, we'll stick around and see. So, I guess when it comes to recommendations, Keith, do you have anything uh, Doctor Strange related you'd like to recommend to our listeners?
1: Uh, I would definitely um, tell our listeners to check out the most recent runs. Of Doctor Strange comic book, they actually just finished up. They're getting ready to reboot the series. I think it's either later this month or next month. But anything from the Jason Aaron run is a fun read. Uh, there's this is more of an exploration of the consequences of magic. So you know you have Doctor Strange doing all these spells, and he thinks he's just you know great, and there's no harm, no foul, and he can just do whatever he has to do. But in reality, all the consequences are being pushed off onto the, I believe it was like the cult of strange. So certain spells have consequences and they were being pushed off to somebody else. He still has certain illnesses. Like he has, I think, demon parasites in his stomach or his small intestines or something to that effect. So there's some levity, but there's also enough seriousness to you know keep you entertained. So if you, I definitely would check those out. I would also check out the um, ultimate... Avengers, i um, sorry, the Ultimates cartoon that they had a couple of years ago that was, came out around the same time as this, uh, the Ultimates, Avengers 1 and 2. There's a Thor, heck, there's even an Iron Man. They did a whole run of Ultimate movies. They were also a fun watch. Heck, I'd even throw X-Men Evolution in. That was an early 2000s cartoon, very similar style, and kind of went down a similar tone and path as this. Oh, those are great uh,
0: recommendations, indeed. I will also add. Uh, will go if you want to really to see the OG uh, <clears throat> Doctor Strange origins on the printed page. You can definitely check out, uh, as I mentioned before, what Stan Lee and Steve Ditko did with this character way back in the seventies, and uh, you know, be prepared for some very trippy artwork. <laughs> uh, actually, bear, you know so definitely do not you know i would read them sober i would not have any kind of adult beverage by your side while we're uh, reading these comics because you might get lost in the in other worlds and other universes so you probably don't want that so i would suggest those the, the original steve ditko uh, stanley run be be prepared and be warned there are some of some unfortunate stereotypes when it comes to certain characters. And, uh, and as I mentioned before they you know, they were wrong then they're wrong now, but at the the same time, if you can, you know, um, should ignore those for the most part, you will still get an enjoyable story. Especially, like I said, when it comes to Steve Ditko's mind blowing artwork, when it comes to some of the situations that Steven has to deal with. So that'll be my recommendation. So of course, dear listeners, If you would like to share your thoughts on the movies we discuss here, you can do so by shooting us an email at happinessanddarknesshow at gmail.com. Once again, that email is happinessanddarknesshow at gmail.com. Feel free to show your support by giving us a like on Facebook, where you'll find us as Happiness in Darkness, or follow us on Twitter, where we're at High Darkness Pod. And uh, Keith, when you're not here discussing magical people in the superhero realm, where can folks find you on the interwebs?
1: They can always uh, check me out on Facebook. I tend to uh, check out our website or our webpage from time to time. So if anytime somebody drops a comment, I am more than willing to, you know, throw my two cents in or even, you know, start a conversation on any topic, really comic books, superheroes, movies, cartoons, whatever you pick your poison. I'm always down for a good conversation.
0: Fantastic stuff. And uh, when it comes to me, folks, you can find me hosting the radio show Whiskey and Cigarettes, where we play today's country, traditional country and everything else in between. and more info about that, you can visit our website. That's whiskeyandcigarettesshow.com. Podcast-wise, you can also check out uh, our other podcast, Gold Standard, the Oscars movie podcast, where myself, Zan Sprouse, and Rachel Friend are reviewing all the movies that won the Oscar for Best Picture in chronological order. This week, actually, we will be reviewing the 2000 Ridley Scott film, Gladiator, and also uh, myself and the uh, Charles Skaggs can currently be found on the Fandom Zone, where we are reviewing the latest season and, la- and final season of The Flash. And sometimes we might jump uh, to another CW property and re- review Superman and Lois. Kind of depends, I guess, on our mood. <laughs> and uh, which, and also, which which episode tends to be better? Like, case in point, this week, Charles and I agreed we're going to watch both and then decide whether the Flash episode was better or the Superman and Lois episode was better, and you know, just just go from there. So it's always a toss up when it comes to the fandom zone. And the uh, speed things to come on this show. Next time we'll be going back to live action and back to the '80s as we'll be taking on the 1986 Russell Mulcahy film. Highlander. So uh, Keith, uh, anything you would like to add uh, before we sign off?
1: No, I, I, this is this one movie is dear and near to my heart. I, It's so bad, but it's so good. This is like Conan, Conan the Barbarian level of cheese, but I love watching it every time. Oh, well, you and me both, and you, I guess you can't go wrong
0: when it comes to that excellent Queen score. So, uh, so there is also that to, to add to it. So I guess, folks, uh, thanks as always for listening to the show and supporting us. We'll see you next time with Highlander. Until then, stay super. Ciao. Muppet.